I knew that Lisa and I would be fast friends when she talked about marketing, speaking, working with integrity and passion, and that she loves wine. So this is truly a girlfriend conversation. Grab yourself a glass of wine and enjoy. two loveliest sounds in the world are the sounds of a cork popping and the sound of a wine bottle pouring. Lisa Mannion, so good to have you on the podcast and share your great um, skills with the world. Um, I just read your LinkedIn profile, marketing with integrity, focus on passion, <laughs> strategist, writer, speaker, custom consulting, copywriting, and wine, which is why we're friends. <laughs> exactly. Wine is such a connector. It is a connector and um, there are echelons. I just interviewed somebody last week and I asked her what her favorite wine is. She says, well, it depends on who I'm with. I have my good wine and my friend wine. <laughs> Our <laughs> friends who will drink anything I open and I have a special bottle just for them. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Well, and if you come to my house, I have something different. <laughs> so um, yeah, those who enjoy wine together are a, a breed of humanity, right? Absolutely. Yeah. It's, I, I call it entrepreneurial fuel. I think that it's an absolute art and I just love it because I've actually had the privilege of being involved from, you know, the ground up. My aunt and uncle had a winery, so I was able to um, be involved in the process from planting to picking to processing to working in the tasting room. And that's when I really fell in love with wine. Oh, I'm jealous. Do you still get to work the crush? Um, no, I could if I wanted to, because now living in Southern Oregon, there's over 120 wineries right around this area, which was actually one of the reasons I relocated to this area. Yeah, good. It's important. So does that make you a Pinot Noir fan? Because I know that's pretty common in Oregon. You know, it's interesting. So um, not really until I moved to Oregon, because I'm, I'm a really big, bold cab or Tempranillo, uh, you know, the jammier, the better. I love it. And um and tannins don't bother me at all. I'm like, bring them on. It's all good. But there is here such an incredible quality of Pinot. And there's one specific Pinot that I just am in love with. And it comes from Irvine and Roberts Vineyard. Yeah. But it's from a specific lot. It's from their 777 lot. And it just happens that that's my favorite number as well. So seven is my favorite number. But it's the most delicious. And each vintage that they do from that lot is spectacular without flaw. That's amazing. Well, and I think that just goes to show that you can't judge a varietal by one experience. Oh, so true. Yeah. So true. I've had bad calves. I mean, it's hard to do, but it's possible. Oh, well, it's so easy to cover up those delicacies with the jamminess and the sugars. And with Pinot Noir, you have a lot less room for mm -hmm. error. So there's a good Pinot and a not so great Pinot. And uh, don't, don't judge a book by a, book by a bad bottle. <laughs> It's true. It's so true. Good. Well, glad to know. You'll 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 probably see me up there sometime soon. I'm due for another trip. Seattle. Oh, fantastic! Yeah, we'll we'll clink glasses for sure. Friend down in Oregon, you can introduce me to some of those Oregon wineries. I would love to. Yes. Good. Good. But we're here to talk about you and your life as an entrepreneur, marketing with integrity. Um. Give us the 411 on who Lisa is and how you've created the life that you have right now. Gosh, okay. Well, I'm just me. Keep it pretty simple and keep it pretty real. I'm known as the business marketing architect. I've been working in marketing, advertising, copywriting, and PR for decades. 
And so it's been my passion for a very, very long time. And I've been running my business right on creative for, oh, let's see, it's 16 years young now. Nice. And so that's, that's a while. And my passion is really helping people keep it real. One of the things that I've seen in the marketing arena is that a lot of people are quite disingenuous and a lot of manipulation tactics are used. So I flip the script and teach the exact opposite. Instead of poking on those pain points and agitating that pain and emotionally manipulating people for the sale, just keep it real because people are people, not numbers. We focus on the passion points and we paint a picture of possibility rather than pointing out the lack because let's face it, we are smart, intelligent people. Women are influencing over 80% of all purchasing decisions now and have been for well over a decade. And we're not really excited about games. We don't want to be manipulated into anything. We don't need anyone to make us feel worse than we already do about any specific problem that we might have. But what we do need are we need solutions to our challenges and we need someone who gets us, who connects on a really deep level and understands and can actually provide a solution that will work. Right. That's so true. Wouldn't you say that today's um, just social consumer um, and the market in general is um, really able to see quickly through marketing copy? A lot of people can, you know, it's, you know, we're evolving as people just as the marketing, advertising, copywriting industry is evolving. And I'm so excited to, to be a pioneer in that, to show a different way, right? That's really important for me. Yeah, I mean, and especially when you're highly intuitive, which most women are as well, mm -hmm. uh, we, we can see right through that and we don't want to be manipulated. And the other thing about that is what I found that was really fascinating is that when people are poking at those pain points and you know, getting people into that heightened emotional frenzy where they believe that the product or service that's being marketed is the only thing or advertised is the only thing that's going to save them. When you're in that emotional heightened frenzy and you decide to make a buying decision from that place of manipulation, it perpetuates buyer's remorse and return rate. So it's not actually going to help with long-term sustainability in business. Right. And so a lot of people will say to me, well, Lisa, you know, there's been these studies done, psychological studies that say, you know, 80% of the population will move away from pain as opposed to the 20% that move towards the solution. And I said, that's great. Let me play with the 20%. I don't need 80% of people who are not energetically aligned with their own purpose and mission and intuition. Yeah. What I need are people who are tapped in and want to make the world a better place. And then let's play. Isn't it amazing? Focusing on the 20%, there's still plenty of people in that 20% when you look at the population as a whole. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And who wants to play with people you're not aligned with? That's what I always tell my clients. I'm like, look, if we're not aligned energetically and our values don't match, then we're just not going to do work together. I've had people reach out to me and say, hey, I've got this really great product, but could you like sprinkle some spirituality in, in to it for me in the marketing and help out? I'm like, no, that's not how it works. <laughs> if you are a spiritual person, we can work with that. <laughs> well, exactly. But this, in this particular case, that was not the case. I'm like, no, that's not how it works. Sorry. <laughs> Just stick with who you are. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That goes back to soul and wine. I really do think there's, there's a soulful aspect to the craft of winemaking that's so much deeper than just creating an alcoholic beverage. And when people treat it as a beverage, I'm like, you don't get it. You it's it. art. It's, it's art, people. <laughs> well, it's art in the bottle. There's art on the bottle. It's, it's an artistic experience all the way through. 
It's so true. Yeah, big defender of that industry. Sorry to take us off point. <laughs> oh, I love it. No, it's, you know, it's all relative. It really is. And that's, I always say that business is personal and knowing these personal things about us will draw the people who are part of our tribe, who resonate with what we're doing and what we believe in. And it's really fun to share our passion. Absolutely. Well, and I love the direction that you've gone with your marketing business. I also was in PR for 25 years and got really good at writing copy that was supposed to attract um, magazines, you know, interest with editors and copywriting that would get us people into our you know, trade shows and things like that. And it, it almost turned out to be a blight on my business when I started my business and I got really good at writing flashy web copy. Right. <laughs> and people had to coach me to dial back that marketing reflex and just talk to people one-on-one -on -one. just have a conversation with your customer I love that you said that because what I'm often telling people and when I work with clients it's really a matter of unlearning what we've been taught because we were taught something and everyone was doing it so yeah. that's the way that we applied it because we thought you know okay this is how to do it I remember back when I started really assessing things and knowing that something was really fundamentally off with especially the pain point marketing thinking, well, who am I to question all these gurus that are doing this because clearly it's working and here's the truth, it can work. But does it feel good and does it create long-term sustainability? Not necessarily. And right. so I think those are things that we need to look at as we're building our business. You know, how do we want to have everything aligned? Because what I found, like one of the biggest disconnects for successful businesses is um, a misalignment of values. I mean, right. they haven't even looked at them perhaps or their personal values don't align with their business values and it doesn't roll into the overall mission, which there's no possible way that you're going to be as successful as you could once you get all of that energetically aligned and you're totally on purpose and on brand. That's such a beautiful point. You know, the thing that people are so excited about more than anything in my group coaching with small business owners is this value-based decision matrix. If you're making your decisions according to your values every day in terms of how you use your time, what you invest in, um, it becomes this, this amazing solution to the whole question of, should I do this? Should I invest in this? Should I make this uh, a priority in my business? It just becomes really easy. If you have those values really clear, the decision is made by going through a checklist. It's so true. And it's very fascinating because to me, I, I'm always looking at all of the different communications that come out from different businesses. And it wasn't too long ago, I was reviewing um, all of, kind of all of the online digital presence for a company that I was considering doing some work with, playing with. And it was so funny because they're, they're talking about wellness and health and all these really wonderful things. And then I found a job listing and in their job listing, it said fast paced, high stress um, environment. And I thought that's fascinating because if you're a health and wellness business, wouldn't you want to try and, and create a healthier environment? I mean, I understand that fast paced and, you know, high demand stress can be a part of some work environments, but it just seemed like there was a bit of a disconnect there. And I thought maybe we need to go back and look at our values and look at how we're structuring the positions and looking at how often those positions are becoming available because you're not able to align with the values and the mission to keep people there. That's a really good point. It's, it's amazing how companies in general don't even think about the cognitive dissonance between what their mission is and what they're trying to um, actually who they're trying to hire and how they're trying to cultivate culture. You know, I used to work for a, a global nonprofit that worked with children in poverty 
would you believe that their core values were almost exactly the same as the core values of Enron? Oh, wow. So, and I'm not saying that that was a blight on the, the nonprofit organization. I'm just saying it's easy to state values that you don't live. Well, and sometimes they just haven't really been examined. You know, oftentimes, especially if you're in a fast-paced startup business, sometimes you're some, there's so many moving parts, you don't really take time to put that foundational piece in place, which I find that's why some corporations are calling me in to say, hey, we need you to work with our corporate communications team to yeah. take a look at this because we didn't really put this foundational piece in place. We grew so fast and now we're having major growing pains because there's not anything solid to anchor it in. And that's what the values do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, important. So um, give me an idea of uh, a customer that you've been able to, to help really put their, their messaging and their company on rails. What's, what's something that we can look for? Gosh, I'm like, it, it, it really varies. So I'm blessed to work with so many diverse people. So I work with both entrepreneurs. I work with larger corporations. Um, I work with solopreneurs. I work with a lot of spiritual um, clients, all kinds. So it just really depends. I mean, there's all kinds of things that I've done. I mean, from little shifts, and this is one of the things that I like to talk about when it comes to energy. And I guess one of my favorite clients they're relationship coaches and they're really fantastic. They do really beautiful work. They're doing a lot of it online. Yeah. And so I had a conversation with them and said, listen, that's beautiful, but I'm your ideal client. And if you're going to be helping me with relationships, then I need to be standing in front of you and you need to be holding my, my heart in your hands. This is, this is a really intimate experience. And so, well, they did some in-person things. I had them flip their script a little bit and their whole funnel actually to where they started front-loading everything with in-person VIP days. Nice. And so instead of just using leverage all of their really brilliant online marketing stuff, which is great, and they needed to do that too, they started with that intimate connection. And what happened is, well, they more, more than tripled their investment with me. They increased their packages to a much higher price point because the value proposition and perception was so much higher. They now have a wait list. And they're doing a fantastic. So that's just one, one example, right? Yeah. Um, another client who was already getting close to, to breaking a million, she was doing multiple six figures came to me and she needed help with a content strategy plan to figure out how to put all of this into in place. So we reviewed all of her revenue streams, looked at what needed to stay, what needed to go. And within six months, she implemented and broke a million. So there's all kinds of things. And then there's smaller things, which are really exciting too, such as people just hearing about my challenge solution and invitation framework that really helps you focus on the values and the passion points and realizing that you don't have to poke at pain points. And I was having a conversation with these beautiful women who own an educational children's bookstore, and they've been completely turned off by marketing forever because people would come in and say, well, what are the pain points? And I just laughed and said, you don't have pain points. You know, unless you want to point out someone's reading disability, which is not cool, um, you're sparking imagination, you're doing all these things, so let's paint a picture of possibility. And within that 20-minute conversation, one of the ladies said to me, you just removed the block that I had about marketing and advertising that I've just had forever because we don't have to poke at pain points. And we were struggling trying to figure out what are the pain points? How do we do this? And I'm like, you don't. Sometimes you just don't. <laughs> wow. What a beautiful metaphor just to talk about focusing on possibilities instead of pain 
Yeah. You know, the whole purpose of focusing on pain is to point us towards possibilities, not just stay ruminating on it. Exactly. And unfortunately, when, when people roll into that pain point marketing mode, they're on such autopilot that they don't even realize what they're doing. It's actually right. a form of brainwashing. And I bet, I'm sure that you're familiar with your PR work of um, Edward Bernays and all of the work that he did in PR mm -hmm. to really, um, he, he helped to influence the marketing and PR around cigarettes, making it sexy and, you know, getting doctors to smoke and all the things back in the day when, you know, mm -hmm. supposedly they were healthy. So right. there's so many different things that we have to look at in the context of, are we doing the right thing? Are we being of true service? How can we make the world a better place with our messages? Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and hindsight's twenty twenty, right? I think, um, I, I'm thinking about The Crown because I've been watching that series with my daughter and how many cigarettes they were smoking in Buckingham Castle <laughs> before they even knew that this was, and then the, the, the king dies and they still don't quite put two and two together. <laughs> it takes years and, and, you know, all of us are still in discovery on the things that might be um, uh, promoting our, our health and our, our success and the things that might be actually putting a, a gate to them. So that self-awareness is just, I love that you provide a different lens because man, as someone who started a business two and a half years ago, I get so sick of those same questions over and over again. Who is your real audience? What is their pain point? And I just really want to talk about the picture of what we're creating as opposed to all of the, the horrible things that we're trying to and you can do that and it will draw the exact right people. I mean, it's so, it's so simple. So in the context of the work that I do, it's when I acknowledge the challenge of my ideal clients, all I have to say is, you know, you're tired of the pain point marketing. You've got a really big mission. You want to connect and make a big difference in the world and you need help with that process and that messaging. And people are like, yeah, that sounds great. And then the solution is depending on what they need, could be web copy, could be just core messaging, could be their content strategy plan. But I share um, you know, what I do, how I help, and different results that I've also helped achieve because you've got to have within your solution piece uh, solid, tangible evidence that, you know, you're walking your talk and people are getting results. And once you do that, you roll into the third part, with, which is just making an invitation. It doesn't have to be that hard sell buy now pressure, but just like, okay, does that sound good? Would you like to get started? And yeah. that's how simple it is. So challenge, solution, and invitation using that framework as a context to improve all communication is super powerful. And it's so easy. In fact, sometimes I kind of just giggle to myself. I'm like, how is it that no one else came up with this? Like, how is it that I actually pioneered this over a decade ago? Wow. And that's really, it's really exciting to me because it really took on a life of its own once I named it. And once I was doing it intuitively, but once I put a um, name to the framework, to the challenge solution and invitation framework, it seriously took on a life of its own. I was featured on the cover of a magazine, Inc. Um, interviewed me, got all these podcast interviews. People are always saying, well, how did you get that podcast interview? I'm like, people just reach out to me and ask me. You know, it is amazing that people are attracted to a framework. Yeah. It doesn't matter how brilliant you are as a practitioner. If you don't have a framework that you sell, there's nothing that people can get their, their hands on. It's so true. And I always say name it and claim it. That's one of yep. the most important things you can do. Just name it and claim it. One of those terms that has been used over and over again, but this is exactly where it makes sense. 
Exactly. Well, and I want to hang on that because a lot of what I do with, with small business coaching is helping them with their thought leadership. So was that the point at which you became a thought leader in this whole philosophy? Yeah, it actually was now that I look back on it. As soon as I named the framework, it was it was tangible. People could wrap their minds around it because before it was just like some magic that Lisa was doing with her clients. Yeah. And they're like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, we just need to go back to basics and look at your values. We need to do this. And they're just, you know, kind of going in and doing it. But now with this framework, what I love about it is that it empowers people to do this themselves because not everyone can invest in my services. And one of the things that's really important to me is to meet people where they are. So, you know, there's tons of articles on my blog. There's all kinds of free stuff there. So people can just apply it. And all I want is people to succeed. That's great. Yeah. The people who need additional help and who can will invest. And those who can't can read. And that's why I'm also working on a book that it will be coming out this year. Um, as soon as I finish writing it, that's, that's my goodness. Hour. You've been in business for 16 years and you're just now writing a book. Yes. Thank you so much for being not a unicorn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a, uh, everyone says, well, you'll get more speaking engagements as soon as you have a book. Well, it's not always the case. Uh, right. Well, and it's interesting. I mean, I've been featured in a bunch of different books. I think eight number one bestsellers have my philosophy featured in them, but I haven't done my own book yet. Nice. And so yeah. I do want to do that because I have a big vision. Once the book is done, I'd like to do a gifting program and gift them to the, the main hub library in every state so that they can be distributed to libraries so that people who maybe can't even buy a $20 book, but want to get started, can go and check it out at the library. I love that. You could do the kind of a Tom Shoes program for every purchase book once donated to a library. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't put all of the strategy in place for that yet, but it's just, you know, it's in here as I'm writing and getting things ready to roll. I love that idea. This is why I love working with other smart people. It just, the brilliance multiplies once we put ideas together. And it so does. It's so important. And you've just sparked somebody else to create a giving program. Somebody who's listening in their own way is going to implement this in the world. So um, now talking about in our own world, um, for 16 years, you've been running a successful business and obviously your clients have been successful. That's got to feel really gratifying. How do you maintain your own personal rhythms to stay alert and ready for the work? So I'm um, really a huge proponent of self-care. And that actually became highly prominent for me two years ago when I actually faced a very rare and aggressive type of cancer. Mm. And so I had a throat cancer, which was um, definitely a surprise, not anything I ever expected to have happened, but I really had to change everything. And I already was attempting to be as healthy as I could be. That's always been um, on my radar. But the truth is I had gained a lot of weight and didn't even realize it. I was technically mm. obese. I had all of these things that were going on. I carried it well, so you wouldn't have known that. But, you know, if we look at the BMI indexes and all of that, it just was not pretty. Yeah. And then I was diagnosed with cancer. And so I had to look at that and say, wow, I need to make some big changes and even bigger changes than I already was doing. So I've eliminated all processed foods. I eat mostly organic. I eat lots of fruits and vegetables. When I do meat, it's grass-fed, grass-finished, or wild-caught um, fish. I spend time in nature, and I have a very strong connection with source, God, the universe, whatever you want to call it. There's something bigger than us, and whatever it is, yep. bring it on, because 
the message I got was I was going to heal all of this with love. And that's what I did. I had a couple of major surgeries, plus really focused on just fueling my body with the best possible food. And for a while, I did have to quit my four favorite food groups, coffee, wine, chocolate, and cheese <laughs> for a while. Now, I still have a, a glass of wine on occasion. I don't drink wine as much as I used to just because I want to maintain my health. So yeah. everything in moderation. But that's really, you know, getting out and moving in nature. I'm in beautiful Ashland, Oregon. I spent yeah. a ton of time at Lithia Park. And there's really fantastic food here. Our farmer's markets are incredible. If you're not visiting your local farmer's market, wherever you are, do it. Yeah. They're really the lifeblood of what keeps us going. It's, right. it's pretty amazing. It's so much fun. Just went to a farmer's market with my daughter in Seattle. And uh, so life-giving, just walking through and seeing all this fresh produce and and even crafts that people have made. I just feel so grounded in that. You know, just by changing the way that I eat, I drop close to 50 pounds. Really? Uh-huh. And I and walking. And people said, oh my gosh, you got sick. So you lost weight? I said, no, I got healthy. Got so healthy. I lost weight, right? <laughs> um, I was sick because I was eating processed foods. And that really is a big piece of it. And that has been what has been one of the biggest turnaround points for my health. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It, just knowing where it comes from. Mm -hmm. That's a, a really great testament to just how easy it is to, to pay attention. It's not easy to give up the four favorite food groups. No, I thought that would kill me alone. <laughs> yeah. You still have occasional cheese? Uh-huh, I do. Well, so we're really lucky because we actually have um, Rogue Creamery here in Southern oh. Oregon, and they actually were awarded the world's best blue cheese recently. And they're all... They're, they have very sustainable processes and we know that their cheese is being made from grass-fed cows and, you know, not chock full of the hormones and all of that. So yes, I do, but I'm, I'm really, I'm really selective about it. And um, you have to be, because when you start looking at what's actually in our food, you'll be really shocked. And the biggest yeah. part for me was processed sugar and it's in everything, but I don't do any of that now. So I really have to watch any, you know, I don't really do much processed food, but if you ever do, you want to look at the labels and all of that. So I save my sugar intake for wine because as soon as alcohol hits your body, it does turn to sugar. But um, <laughs> you know, I talk about that all the time, and it's always surprising when people um, haven't really tracked the fact that alcohol metabolizes the sugar. No matter how fine the wine is, it still metabolizes the sugar. And I can have a worse um, like burn reaction at 1 a.m. from eating too much dessert than I can have from having a glass of wine and then a glass of water. <laughs> exactly. Water is key. I think people forget that. For every glass of wine, have a glass of water. Yes, absolutely. Pro tip. <laughs> so uh, can we celebrate that you're cancer-free? We can, yeah. And this is a little off topic, but not really. So one of the books that I'm featured in is called The Silver Lining of Cancer. And I wrote about my journey in that. Um, it's called Healing with Love. And I just two weeks ago did a author reading at our local bookstore, Bloomsbury Books, that carries the book. And it was fantastic. And the Q&A session was so amazing because so many people had questions about how they can just take better care of themselves. And that's, you know, my best tip that I could give anyone is put yourself first. Take care of your health first. You have to. Because it's not a dress rehearsal. And I learned the hard way. And if I had given in to fear and hadn't trusted my intuition and guidance and done a lot of research and been brought to all of the right resources, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. Right, right. Yeah. 
And it's a message of hope that we need to hear. Um, I know so many people who are going through the battle with cancer right now. And yeah, there's over a hundred different kinds and every kind is unique to each individual, which is why there isn't a, a blanket um, cure, yeah. so to speak. So we have to take care of our own health. And another point too that I'll make is question everything. Initially, I was misdiagnosed. I was told by my doctor, who's no longer my doctor, that I had an abscess tooth. And she wasn't really listening. And I said, no, I feel it growing in my throat. You know, I actually am that in tune with my body and I can tell what's going on. So um, that was a pretty big, a, a pretty big awakening for me when the doctor asked me, well, do you think you have cancer? And I thought, what? Because first of all, I've never gone to medical school. I'm highly intuitive and I knew something was wrong, but I was there for a professional opinion. So I was really shocked to be asked that. And it was a little, um, there were a few times when I fell into fear instead of really focusing on love. And that was one of them because I was like, oh my gosh, I'd never even thought that that would be a possibility for me. And I'm trusting myself in the hands of somebody who right. doesn't even really trust their own intuition. Who's not listening. But on the flip side of that, it's also, it's also a result of a broken healthcare system. Yes. When, when doctors only have six to eight minutes to spend with each patient and we have to be herded through like numbers, back to my people are not numbers philosophy. Yeah, uh, and it's just a fact, really. Uh, that's difficult. It makes it difficult for them to do their job. So I'm not trying to persecute anyone here. You know, mistakes mm -hmm. definitely happen. And if you're working in an environment where you're not actually allowed the time and spaciousness to do what you need to do, it probably is really difficult. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm glad you chose the right thing. I'm glad that you're sitting here today telling your story. Me too. I'm so. I'll tell you what. Facing mortality makes you even more excited about life and a yeah. good glass of wine. <laughs> Absolutely. So when you have that one good glass of wine, what, what bottle are you going to pull? I'm probably going to pull one of the Irvine Roberts from Lot 777. I just love it. I really do. It's, uh, it's one of my favorites and it's well worth it. Irvine Roberts is the name of the winery? Mm -hmm. Irvine and Roberts. Cool. Well, I will look that up and make sure it goes in the show notes. I have a wine palace where I share labels of everyone's favorite wines on the show. So when you're standing in a wine store and you're not sure what to buy, you can just take a look at all the labels in the wine palace. I love it. That's so fantastic. <laughs> yeah, it's so fun. Well, thank you so much for your time. I can tell we have a lot to talk about. So we'll have to grab a glass of Pinot Noir next time I'm in Oregon. Yes, I would love that. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, definitely. Have a great day. You too. Bye. I hope you're enjoying the special lineup of amazing women on Women, Wine & Leadership this month. This week is all about women kicking glass in business, showing us how they're making history and inspiring us to action. If you want to take some action in your own life and you're in Denver, join us at the Women's Leadership for Life Neurosculpting class on March 7th. It's not a lot of money. For less than 50 bucks, you'll walk away with some strategies for training your brain to be the woman you want to give the world. Register at therebelbrain.com or go to the link in my show notes. I hope we see you there.